0: This is day five of our look together through Revelation chapter 11. We're gonna focus on one verse today. Revelation 11, verse 19. An amazing thing happens in this verse. John, you remember throughout this chapter, has heard the trumpet blast of the seventh trumpet. And right after that, he takes us back to heaven where we hear the praise song of the 24 elders. You shall reign forever and ever and ever. And then he sees something. In verse 19, listen to what happens. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. And within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. There is a temple of God in heaven. Now, what is this temple in heaven that's being talked about here? Well, we get some good information about it in Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews 8.5 says, They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy talking about the temple in Jerusalem in that day. They serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. That is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. That's the mountain of Sinai where he went to see not only the Ten Commandments, but how he should build this tabernacle. And he saw the plans in heaven. There's a tabernacle, there's a temple in heaven. And John sees it. He sees it being opened. And he sees the things that are inside of it. Now, the significance here is that it is opened. This temple is being opened. Remember, there was a curtain between the people and the presence of God in this temple. There was a curtain that prevented you from getting into the Holy of Holies. And you probably remember that when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was ripped in two from top to bottom. One of the great miracles of the Bible that's not often enough talked about. God ripped it in two, because he was saying the presence of God is no longer hidden behind a curtain. Now, because of the forgiveness that's been offered in Jesus Christ, the presence of God is with men. It is in people, in my people. The temple is opened, showing that God's presence is with us. And as it's opened, he sees inside of it the Ark of the Covenant, Now, you Indiana Jones fans and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you've ever wanted to really see the real Ark, here John gets to see it. And I expect when we get to heaven, we're really going to get to see it. That Ark was a place that was the center of God's presence. It was the place that God sat. It's the place also of our atonement. It's the place where you and I recognize that Jesus Christ had paid the price so that we can enjoy the presence of God forever. God's presence is now with his people, within his people. That's going to be very important as we come to the end of this book of Revelation. And as John sees the temple open, as he sees the ark, he is seeing the presence of God pictured for him. He's also seeing something else. At the same time, he sees flashes of lightning. He hears rumbling. He hears peals of thunder. There's an earthquake. There's a great hailstorm. The presence of God is pictured, but also the power of God is pictured. That is who God is. He is powerful in his presence, and in his presence, he has great power. Sometimes we're a little afraid of that, and because of that, we want to make God's goodness simply niceness. God is gracious. God is patient. God is kind, and yet he is also a God of awesome power, awesomely expressed power. I've always loved that line from the Chronicles of Narnia, talking about Jesus Christ, talking about God and who he is and his character. Uh, One of the children asks, one of the characters, is he safe? Asking about Aslan, who represents Jesus in that book. And the answer comes back, safe, absolutely not. No, he's not safe, but he's good. That is who God is in our lives. If you want a safe God, if you want a little God, if you want a God that you can control, if you want a God that you have more power than, That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the God who came and gave his life for us. That is not the God of the book of Revelation. He is good, and I can trust in his goodness. He is a God of awesome power. So here you have the open temple, and you have the lightning. You have the ark, and you have the earthquake. And in both of those, you see the character of God and who he really is. Here we are at the end of chapter 11 in the book of Revelation. As I come to the end of this chapter, I was reading through some things that our research team had written, and one person wrote, I cringed when you told us we were going to be doing the book of Revelation together, but God is doing some amazing stuff in my life as I read through this book. God works in our lives through his scriptures, through his truth, through his goodness. And my question to you as we come towards the end of this 11th chapter is, what is he doing in your life? As we're walking through this study together, I know that it's more than just figuring out what the sevens mean and who the beast is. And I know that it's so much more than that because God's word is so much more than that. What is he doing in your life? Let me just go through a list. Maybe it's one of these things. Maybe it's all of these things. As we're studying through this book, is he increasing your anticipation of heaven? Looking forward to what it's going to mean to be with him forever and enjoy his presence forever. Looking forward to what it's going to mean to be a part of these worship services that we've been looking at together. Is he doing that in your life? Or maybe he's doing something different. Maybe he is decreasing your trust in this world. I don't know about you, but I tend to hold on to this world much too tightly sometimes. Oh, I don't think I am. I think I have total trust in Christ in a circumstance, but then I realize no. I'm really trusting in the way I've always done it before. I'm really trusting in that little habit in my life. I'm really trusting in some physical thing that I can hold on to that makes me feel comfortable. The comfort comes not from the physical thing. The comfort comes from him. So how are you trusting him right now? Maybe as we're walking through this book, he is using it to decrease your trust in this world. I know for myself, the rest of my life on this planet, God's going to be working to decrease my trust in this world and increase my trust in him. Is he doing that in you? Or maybe there's a third thing that he's doing. Maybe he is reminding you that you can trust God to be just. Maybe you've been living with some unforgiveness in your life or some bitterness in your life or some wondering in your life how God's going to cause all this to turn out. And just a deep sense, a deep feeling that life is just not fair. Maybe God's using this book to remind you that in the end, you can trust. You can trust that God will be just and his justice will prevail in the end. Maybe there's another thing that God's doing in your life through this book. Maybe he is deepening your desire to share your faith. There's a friend, there's a family member. You don't want him to face any of this without knowing Christ, without knowing his love and his protection. As we've gone through this book, we've seen that Some may be protected by being taken out of this time of tribulation, but we've seen that even those who might have to face this time of tribulation are going to be protected within that time by the love and the power of God. And there's somebody you know that God's motivating your heart, is working in your heart to deepen your desire to share your faith. Or maybe there's something else that God's doing. Maybe as we're walking through this book together, God's moving you from temporary hope to eternal hope. As human beings, we tend to hope in things that we see, but really those are just those are just temporary hopes because anything that you see in this world, any material thing, it can be taken away, so it's not going to last, so it's not a sign of real hope. But we tend to try to put hope in things that we can see, people that we can see even, when we all know that our eternal hope is in God, it's in Jesus Christ, in his Spirit working in us. And maybe God is using these verses Verses you really didn't want to study, things you really didn't want to talk about maybe, but you've been faithful to be listening and hearing. And he's using these verses to move your heart from a place of temporary hope to a place of more eternal hope. Which is it? How is he working? As we, as we pray together today, just consider in your own heart and mind, what's God's doing in my life? And thank you. Say, Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you that as I'm studying this book, your revelation, thank you that you're increasing my anticipation of heaven. Or you might want to say, thank you that you're decreasing my trust in this world. Your prayer might be, Jesus, thank you that you're reminding me that I can trust that in the end, your justice will prevail. As we pray, you might want to just say, Jesus Christ, thank you that you are deepening my desire to share my faith. And I pray for this person on my mind right now. Bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Let them know that you're real. Or your prayer might be this, Jesus Christ, thank you that you're moving me, moving my heart, moving my soul from a temporary hope to a more eternal hope in you. Only you could do that. Thank you that you love me enough to work in my heart in that way, patiently, moment by moment, day by day. Keep doing your work, Jesus. I love what you are doing in my life. In your name I pray, amen. Well, join us next week, Very interesting, as we look at Revelation chapter 12, we're going to look at the Christmas story, Revelation style.